0: Song Poker. Right. Do you do you want to do the introduction or, or? Are you happy for me to do it and then you pull it to pieces afterwards?
1: No, you you go for you go for the intro.
0: Hello and welcome to Song Poker. God, that was perfect. Do you think so?
1: That did exactly what it should do. Thank you. Yeah. You wouldn't improve on that. I, I don't think I could improve on, on what you just said.
0: Fantastic. Well, so here we are to talk about music again. Um, what have you been listening to lately?
1: I've only bought one album this week. It was a charity shop find. I'm rather pleased with it though, uh-huh. and I have listened to it quite a lot, even though you could argue it's bloody terrible. Okay. Um, it's the soundtrack mm. to um, Every Which Way But Loose, Oh Yeah, it's got some real good old boy shit-kicking <laughs> hits on
0: it. Shit-kicking hits. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the name of a Prodigy album, I believe. <laughs> Actually, they were, in, they were in the news today. Apparently they've changed the lyrics to Smack My Bitch Up for whenever they perform it live. They say, Change My Pitch Up. Oh, really? I can't imagine the Prodigy. I mean, they've got to be in their 60s now.
1: That's very interesting. I'm glad that they've um, they've made that decision. Do
0: you think it was necessary, though? I mean, like back in '96 or '97 when the song came out, I think we knew they were joking. Yes,
1: yes, we did know they were joking, but yes. um, <laughs> but it doesn't mean it's okay.
0: <laughs> no, it's a, it's a terrible sentiment. Good for next time you go and see the Prodigy. Yeah, uh, you can applaud politely as they as they sing shake my pitch up i haven't been listening to anything new i've just been listening to a lot of women actually lana and melissa after mauer and a bit of florence and the machine and i tried listening to some stuff in preparation for this but i ended up listening to jungle pussy instead
1: um let's do an intro as to what we're dealing with this week so close to uh, to Christmas as we are. What are the song fires that we'll be poking and stoking with our analytical lions this week? So uh, we're doing
0: Christmas songs.
1: Yes, we are. Yes, we are. I'm so excited. I love it.
0: So do you want to hear my little poem I've written as a, as, a, as an alternative introduction? Oh, yes, please. Okay. this This is the antidote to all that jingle jingle and all those snowy wrongs. We'll go good cop, bad cop on the nightmare world of Christmas songs. Oh,
1: that's very good. (laughs) I think that sets us up very nicely.
0: I think it does. I think anyone who's listening to this, um, it's coming out on Christmas Eve, so anyone who's listening to it over the festive period, you'll be sitting there, you'll be fat, you won't be able to breathe in, you'll have beer and gravy down your face and one of those awful paper hats on and you're looking for validation you're not going to get that from me
1: good so i think perhaps our discussion uh will focus on the british charts of the last 50 or 60 years excellent but it's but it's but it's really actually from the 70s that we see the emergence of what we what we think of as the sort of the sometimes novelty christmas here i mean there's always been christmas songs music secular and sacred but the artists realised that it was a massive money earner. Mm. Uh, and, and we did see this sort of emergence of um, of a new kind of Christmas classic pop. Mm. In, that, in that sort of, you know, the, 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 they all they had that legendary race for the coveted number one spot, didn't they? they did. And I think that, that chase really did help to shape our childhood, I think.
0: Okay, let me come in with a question. What's your all-time favourite Christmas number one?
1: Oh my goodness, you're going straight in with that one.
0: Well, you're not supposed to think about it. But you've already stalled, and now you're going to come out with something like, oh, I'm, I'm all grown up, and I remember this from
1: 1977. Well, yeah. All right, then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean... The fact that Wings was at number one in 1977 with Mala Kintyre is, uh, you know, it's not oh exactly. well, good knowledge. It's, it's not a great Christmas song, as such. It might not even be a great song. I don't know. I'll let you. Uh, well, it's
0: about jacket, but... it's about an island, right? Or a, or is it a lump of rock? I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I sure. think it
1: was. I think it was um, uh, part of McCartney's hermit years when yeah. he uh, he and the family ensconced themselves, uh, <laughs> you know, up Scotland Way that wasn't a great time um
0: okay <laughs> well <laughs> i mean i'm quite no. good
1: i'm quite good with dates though and that sort of thing with 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 christmas number ones especially but just because i don't know they were real keystones for me you know they, yeah and it's all linked to the the toys we received the, the christmases we had and i suppose as a nostalgia delivery system trademark great,
0: great expression there
1: <laughs> Trade, <laughs> trademark electric subcast. <laughs> um i would argue that christmas christmas hits christmas number ones are unsurpassed in their efficiency and efficacy you you
0: may well be right
1: do you en- uh, do you enjoy christmas well do
0: you i mm. no i despise christmas <laughs> yeah And Christmas songs. So, I mean, really for me, it was working in in bookshops. You'd get to November the 1st and you had to play the CD of Christmas songs over and over again, all day, Mm. every day, until December the 24th. You'd then have like three hours off work for Christmas Day itself and then you'd have to go into work early to set up the Boxing Day sale. And it... It teaches a man to hate Christmas and everything, everything associated with it.
1: I, yeah, I can believe that. However, I've known you for 30 odd years and even before the, the you know, the the, the retail hell, you've, you you weren't the most festive of it. I mean, we've got mutual friends who are, you know,
0: a very, Christmas very,
1: incarnate. Very
0: Christmas themed very, very yeah. much. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. I've always been a miserable prick. Um but 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 I use retail as my as my reasoning. Mm. Uh, but maybe my sort of antipathy comes from before that. I suppose maybe it was it was probably to do with that era when you're you know, you're transitioning and you stop getting toys for Christmas and you start getting socks and pants and money. Okay. And, and it just it, it died to death for me.
1: But but surely you can recall, via these Christmas nostalgia delivery systems, Mm. surely you can recall a time when you were young, carefree, happy, uh, you know, excited about receiving the toy. And surely that's linked to some sort of Christmas uh, background music. Well, I suppose so.
0: I mean, it's more, it was more the telly for me. It was right. it, when I think of like Christmases when I was young and I was getting, you know, Transformers or Star Wars toys and there was things like Box of Delights on TV and Oh yes. Um there was probably an Allo Christmas special, but I don't know. Yep.
1: Yeah, maybe there was. Probably Two Ronnies. That kind of thing, uh, yes. Yeah, children of Green No. Uh,
0: so then are you festive? Are you do you really go all out for Crimbo?
1: Um. Yeah. Well, I I feel in my heart. Uh, well, I'm I'll there. stop you there. That's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. I no, I've, I feel like I am. I I I still have a an almost childlike um. sense of wonder and awe um, about Christmas. Although I think it's probably very deeply hidden.
0: Um. <laughs> I play the Christmas song on December the 24th Mm -hmm. and then I take it out with the tweezers and I throw it off the balcony and it's gone for another year. But, um, okay, well, you're going to have to lead this because you're Captain Christmas and I'm Captain Grinch.
1: So, I mean, look, let's not talk about, uh, those real Christmas classics, the Slades and the Wizard offerings. Um because they are so firmly ensconced into our british national psyche aren't they they're, they are you,
0: know, you they're, they're unarguable
1: we don't devote any more airtime having said that <laughs> there are probably <laughs> within, a couple of my choices that yes, are comparable within in that <laughs> within that era there will be a lot of that yeah. sort of thing but I just don't want to talk about Dave Hill and Slade.
0: No, and that and that for me, that's always that's the moment when you know it's actually Christmas. The first time you hear Noddy Holder going, "It's Christmas." Unfortunately, when you have to listen to that on November the first, it does piss on the last two months of your year.
1: Okay, um, so have you brought anything to the table in regards to a, 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 a favorite?
0: I mean, I've written down a small list of Christmas songs that I know. Been, oh, okay. And I was well, trying to cheat. I was, I was looking at some of the big Christmas compilations on on Spotify. Mm, great. Um, and it's like you know the best 100 songs about Christmas ever, and 64 of them are written by someone called Michael Bubbly.
1: Yes, Michael um, Bubbly has um, has really uh, owned Christmas in, uh, in the last decade. Has so. he taken the the Cliff mantle? I think worldwide, yes, he has. I think there's probably a generational thing in this country that's still are clinging to the cliff mantle. And, <laughs> you know, But their feet are dangling in the fire. So. Yes, yes. Um, so, it's,
0: so it's quite a shallow cliff
1: then. He <laughs> always was. It? Have you seen... Have you seen... Talking of shallow cliff, uh, and I digress here, but there is a clip, and I must show you, of Cliff Richard... Talking on, I believe this morning, and I think it might even be this year, to Dermot O'Leary and Alison Hammond about his time meeting Elvis. And um, it was late on in Elvis's career, it might even been 76, early 77. Uh, so Elvis was, you know, slightly, uh, slightly larger, he was rotund. And Cliff decided not to have a photo with Elvis because he was too fat. And he said, if this is going to go on my fridge, I'm paraphrasing here, but if this photo is going to go on my fridge, I don't want Elvis looking like that. Now, And then, of course, he died within the next few months and yeah. he regretted it.
0: Now, A, I think that, that tells you everything you need to know about Cliff Richard, the oh. Christian, the forgiving Christian, the tolerant Christian. But also, and since we're on the Elvis tangent now, let's stay here. I don't mm. think he was that fat. I don't think I. You either, know, no. he got a little bit of blubber around his jowls. He went yeah. up to maybe a, I don't know, thirty six,
1: thirty eight inch waist, maybe. I think it might have been a bit bigger than that. I mean, he was oh, yeah. eating burgers sandwiched in donuts, but or was that Luther Vandross? I can't remember. But um, I mean, he wasn't Barry White, was he?
0: Well, I'll tell you another interesting tangent. I had for breakfast uh, two days ago. We were in a, a little cafe in uh, Wellington, Virginia, and mm. I had their breakfast sandwich, which was called the Elvis. And it, right. was, it was peanut butter, it was bananas, and it was bacon.
1: Oh, sounds good.
0: And I think if, if that's what it took to make the king a little bit chubby, then I think he did the right thing. Did you dare to use the John after? Uh, no, I didn't want to because I thought it could be the end. <laughs>
1: yeah such an ignominious way to die maybe cliff will suffer the same fate
0: well cliff i imagine at breakfast is probably an all-brand kind of guy
1: oh yeah 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 so,
0: definitely so sod him him <laughs> and, him and his mistletoe and his wine it's communion uh, well, wine yeah.
1: okay let's segue from <laughs> communion wine because yes. um my first choice is um not technically a christmas song that you might uh, certainly associate with a commercial Christmas. Uh, in fact, I think it only mentions Christmas once in it, but it's um, it's called "So Much Wine" by the Handsome Family. <laughs> family uh, i think a really interesting band and, and has been around for quite a few years now and perhaps most famous for the theme tune to the first series of true detective so much wine um song i suppose it's about domestic violence and um, other things that you alcoholism that you associate with um with christmas but i think it's a beautiful track so we're going dark quite early yeah, oh, yeah sorry so yeah having said that I'm Mr <laughs> Mr Christmas and uh, feeling very festive a, a, a lot of the songs that I listen to are quite cynical
0: yeah no I I like that I think mm-hmm. I think cynicism is what effectively informs powers and generates this kind of music. Mm. I mean, one of the one of the things I'm not going to say this is a favorite because if anything, it's it's the absolute physical manifestation of everything that's wrong with the world. But the Billy Idol Christmas album, that's something that should never have existed. And yes, it does.
1: It does. Mm. Wow. And so do you know what year that was from? I mean, is it from his uh, heyday?
0: uh, No, I. I want to say it was about 2006, something like that. Oh, OK. So it was it long day, after yeah.
1: he'd sort of given up being credible. I'd um, love it if it was just a sort of um, side project whilst he was still in Generation X.
0: I mean, it's he's got this kind of like Spanish slide guitarist who looks like Fernando Alonso. And they're just doing things like Frosty the Snowman and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. But mm. it's Billy Idol. I mean, you know what? Are you going to get Johnny Rotten doing that? Deck the halls with boughs well, of fucking I'll, I'll, holly. Give him time. Ian. I mean, yeah, no, you're right. But he doesn't want to do anything that would jeopardise getting a, a gig on GB News. So um, he probably won't. But it's but it encapsulates that kind of oh, feeling I get when someone that I love does a nakedly, desperately commercial Christmas song. I mean, the one you chose sounds slightly more, you know, Playful and intelligent and necessary.
1: Going back to cynicism, um, <laughs> my 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 second uh, choice is actually, I mean, uh, is uh, is about that cynicism and the commercialisation of Christmas. According to its writer, Greg Lake. So I, I I do really enjoy. I believe in Father Christmas. Do you know it? Do you remember um, it?
0: I I do not.
1: This, this is Greg Lake from Emerson Lake and Palmer. E L P uh, and uh, yes, E L P and and being uh, the uh, the prog rock lords that they were, um, his influence means that he's fusing uh, Prokofiev's. It's the Troika Suite from um, Lieutenant Kaidy. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Kaidj, Kaya. Um, it's a Soviet film, actually. So Prokofiev, the great Soviet composer, was creating this for the uh, for a 1930s film. And um, I don't know. I think I think you can. T- you close your eyes and you just you see snowscapes and imagine the troika and the sleigh bells it just sounds like christmas to me woody allen used it in love and death as well it's a, a an oft-heard piece of music but i think greg lake weaves it into the song into this fabric of the song which is it's really beautiful
0: wow well i just i was going to say it's it's quite interesting you've chosen to you know, bring in some Prokofiev and talk about Russian cinema. I've got chocolate salty balls on my list. <laughs> but you carry on, mate. <laughs> you carry on. <laughs> What's I mean, is it is it is he singing from like a child's perspective?
1: Yes, he is. And I saw him through I saw him through his disguise, he's saying Oh God was it Savile <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so Greg Lake, I Believe in Father Christmas, it only reached number two in 1975, so the year that we were born. Wow. Wow. And it was a good year, actually, for for Christmas Hits. But do you know what was number one? What kept Greg Lake off the number one, the Christmas number one in 1975? It's one of the biggest-selling singles of all time, really, and it's the only single to... Get to Christmas number one twice by the same artist. Only so
0: oh, so it would be uh, it would be Bohemian Rhapsody, indeed. Yes,
1: well done. Yes,
0: that's two Steven. of that's two of my other Christmas songs. I'll just <laughs> put a line through them. This is looking a bit threadbare on my side now. I mean, yes, Bohemian Rhapsody kind of wasn't a Christmas song in nineteen seventy-five, but I feel like it kind of was in nineteen ninety-one.
1: It's nice when they have a little uh, a little story, a little backdrop of of tragedy, isn't it
0: yes yeah. but yeah, so the mid seventies you kind of think of you know you had you have you've got your mud, you've got your wizard, you've got your slade, you've got your bony m well i'm I'm generalizing, and it was all kind of fine and it it hadn't yet become sort of cringingly embarrassingly naff. And I suppose, from my point of view, that only really happened in maybe the '90s with Cliff. I think, I think in the '80s it was still very much a thing, mm. and then it just became, like all of Christmas, it just became all commercial.
1: Yeah, I I know what you mean. Those mid '70s, uh, those mid '70s tracks. I I still think that they were commercial in their in, in, intent. I mean, they they knew that. Um, they would get a lot of airplay and make quite a bit of money, uh, and they were kitsch in their own way, but it wasn't quite the sort of naked commercialism uh, of nineteen eighties, was it? And they were quality songs as well.
0: Well, can I can I throw one of my choices in at this point?
1: Yes, please do. Yeah. So
0: I always liked "Lonely This Christmas" by Mud. Mm.
1: Nineteen seventy-four.
0: Because when I was a kid, I thought it was Elvis, and it was only, I guess, in the nineties. And maybe this is this is part of what
1: disillusioned
0: me about Christmas. But when I found out it wasn't Elvis, it was Mud. I was a bit, mm. but I love that song because, like, like your choices, it's not Ugh, Christmas. It's it's something slightly bleaker and
1: sadder. So Mud were a, a glam rock band, weren't they? Lonely this Christmas was probably their their biggest hit, yeah. but I think that the lead singer was actually kind of an Elvis, not an Elvis impersonator, but there was definitely, a, Les Gray was a
0: a sort um, of wannabe kind of,
1: yeah he had a very distinctive voice and it was, it was pretty much an impression of, of uh, or an impersonation should I say of, of Elvis yeah. wasn't yeah, it, yeah it was, it was, so you could be forgiven for thinking it was Elvis, good, I mean Elvis, I mean. Elvis had quite a number of, of hits in his own right of course he he did and one christmas number one he only had one christmas number one one christmas number one yeah he returned to sender in 1962 oh wow so mud really um it was elvis by proxy
0: (laughs) stealth elvis stealth There's probably no easily pronounceable portmanteau word that can be made there. Um, Mm -hmm. All right, give us
1: another one. Well, we talked about Bohemian Rhapsody being a Christmas number Mm. one, but nine years later, Queen try again uh, for a Christmas number one. 1984, they released Thank God It's Christmas. I really like this tune. It only actually peaked at number 21 and it's bombastic as you might expect from Queen but I think there's there's genuine yearning there and genuine emotion and, uh, I, I, and I don't really want to listen to Queen I mean it, I'd never stick a record of Queen on anymore really. No. I, they're too they're too anthemic however at Christmas I don't know there's something about Uh, his voice and the songs that I I, I don't mind.
0: I was going to suggest that his voice for people of our age does kind of evoke childhood and by extension because when you think of childhood you're mainly thinking about birthdays and Christmases and summer holidays so Mm. there is a powerful connection between Freddie and he could be singing anything, he could be singing out his shopping list but you'd still be transported back to the dim and distant
1: past quite right yeah quite right and for for me especially it would be sort of I always favor the, the 80s Queen hits anyway rather than the, the more baroque 70s stuff I suppose But um, yeah, yeah
0: me too we'll we'll have to do an episode on Queen soon
1: oh I'd love to Lovely. I'd love to but do you, do you know that song I do know that Christmas?
0: song it was on it was on Greatest Hits 3 wasn't it
1: I don't know actually I right, think, okay.
0: yeah it was I think I mm. heard it maybe a couple of times in the 80s and then forgot it existed until Greatest Hits 3 came out and was reminded that it existed along with other uh, less well-known hits like Las Palabras de More, and um, what, whatever else they put on there to kind of turn it into an album.
1: Yeah, I wonder if 3 was a bit sort of... It was. Uh,
0: I think 3 uh, was over... I mean, Freddie, mm. Freddie died the month after Greatest Hits 2 came out. So mm. so to be putting out a greatest hits 3 when i think they'd only released like two songs post freddy seemed a bit of you know yes overkill
1: good all right um well uh, from the baroque of queen um can i go um swiftly forward uh, to the baroque of js bach good gravy i did not see this coming well it's it's a- Bach influence. I mean, because I think that the melody might be uh, from Bach of Indolce Jubilo. So it's another 1975 hit, Mike Oldfield. Okay. It got to number four in the UK charts, and it's a, it's very silly, his arrangement. <laughs> You know, my goldfields. It's it, it sounds really silly. It's okay. very jaunty. Right. Um, obviously instrumental in Dolce Jubilo. It's a beautiful carol, actually. Um the, the the carol it's is good Christian men rejoice. But um I love it and uh, and it now reminds me of just sort of dancing with my cats. Non consensually, obviously. <laughs> um around the um around the Christmas tree. What you
0: mean um, they make you do it?
1: They, they yes, my my cats. Yeah. Uh, force they me, corral uh, you, trap you, yes. and make you yeah. do a little dance.
0: Because when you talk about Mike Oldfield, I just think of Tubular Bells, and I'm wondering if this was a Tubular Christmas hit.
1: Yeah, it's a, Tubular Bells is '73, I think. Oh, so, he's already done the 72. Tubular Bells. Yeah.
0: Did he do? Did he do like Tubular Silver Bells? Because that would have been a great Christmas crossover for him. So, I another one that I vaguely remember not hating is. Stop the Cavalry by Jonah Louie.
1: Oh, lovely!
0: I know nothing about this song. I don't know when it came out. I don't know what it's about. So, if you have any intel,
1: so actually, I think I, I mean it was written as a obviously as a as an anti-war song and not intended. Certainly for Christmas, and I think I'm not sure, I can't remember whether Joni Louis insisted on putting the sleigh bells on it or whether some bright spark at his record company stuck them on and said, Oh, you know, we could release this at Christmas. Uh, I think it brought him his house.
0: comes over here to say we're doing splendidly but it's very cold out here in the snow marching tune from the enemy oh I say it's tough I have had enough can you stop the cavalry
1: yeah uh, I mean he did have a, a decent career I, mean, I can only think of one actual song that he did he, you'll always find me in the kitchen at parties but uh, yeah but stop the cavalry was 1980 I think 1980 beaten to number one by oh, heaven forbid St Winifred's School Choir there's oh, no one quite like Grandma Christ I remember that yeah it's a great tune though I mean it, 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 uh, it references Winston Churchill doesn't it because it's weird because the video s- suggested that it was set in World War One and he talks about the trenches and, yeah. that, and he was like why is he mentioning Churchill But of course, Churchill was First Lord of the Admiralty in the First World War so he was heavily involved um, heavily, yeah, it's,
0: it's, I like what you did there heavily involved I imagine he was heavily involved in pretty much everything he turned his
1: hand to <laughs> <Absolutely> heavily involved <laughs> in his in his own boiler suit yeah um, <laughs> yes yeah, so it was a it was a, an anti-war song uh, then turned into uh, a Christmas track so what's what's next
0: on your list
1: I very much enjoy Driving Home for Christmas by Chris Rea. Chris
0: Rear, yes, the Alan Partridge of Christmas songs. It is. Which, are,
1: yeah, which is a very great compliment in, in my book.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's another one that does genuinely evoke memories of being being young. Um mm. Chris Rear was not someone I ever really got into because it was Chris Rear. Mm. Yeah. What 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 do you like about that then? Is that because you like driving?
1: It is, and, and there's many times when I've been working and out on tour and then, you know, you get your, uh, you finish your show on Christmas Eve and then uh, you have to make your way back for Christmas and, yeah. and I am uh, cheesy enough to actually put that song on. It's often the first track that gets loaded onto the car as I begin my journey home. That's um, fair enough. I listen
0: to Blur's, Blur's song Birthday on my birthday, so, I mean, there's no shame in it
1: and I just, I and I like the way that it, it came about as well. It's a well documented story actually that how Chris Rea came to write this. He he had been dropped by his um, record label and his wife came to pick him up in London. I think he was actually at Abbey Road Studios. Yeah, apparently he he um wrote the lyrics of this song uh on his way back up to Middlesbrough or wherever he's from um and he was waiting for the street lamps along the roadside to illuminate the car so he could see what he was writing.
0: That's that's a lovely story. I suppose though yeah, the, those were the days before you
1: had dictaphone. Well, I guess he had dictaphones, but he didn't have any money, I think. No, so that was <laughs> so, probably
0: back in Abbey Road and he'd had to give it back. Yeah. And he's just there in the back of his car with like an old eight track and he's trying to Trying to record stuff with
1: that, I don't know exactly. But little did he know it would um it would make him a fortune.
0: Well, that's great. That's like a little bit of Christmas magic in itself. They should write a film about that. Maybe not about Chris Rear specifically, but they should steal that plot and um, give it to Hugh Grant.
1: Hugh Grant playing Chris Rear Sure.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'd love
1: to see that so much. <laughs>
0: Hugh Grant, of course, uh, in uh, About a Boy, played a character whose parent, or I think his dad, wrote A Christmas Number One, and that was That's what right. fueled his dream lifestyle of doing absolutely nothing with himself all day, every day. Yeah. Jammy exactly. bastard. I know. Every time I see that film, I think, oh, it should have been me. See, if all, if all the people we're talking about have made that much money from their hits, then. You know, why Why did they ever bother to write another one? Why did they ever work again? I mean, if, you know, George Michael makes a killing out of Last Christmas, you know, why Why bother for another 20 years?
1: He was a yeah. driven artiste, Ian. Was he? Yes. Was he?
0: Yeah, I suppose Andrew was there for something, so he was the driver, was he? <laughs> the chauffeur. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't question someone's integrity like that. If Gary Glitter wants to write another rock and roll Christmas and then just sit back and do whatever he did, you know, for the rest of his life... Who
0: knows what that could have been? Mm. Whatever he was into. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, But no, he didn't. He, you know, he was a a recording artist. Oh, he, like, travelled and he spent a lot of time in... uh... Anyway. So do you have any other notable mentions uh, absolutely
0: I do i have I have three songs left that I do not despise so my next choice and you're gonna laugh at me because it's a sort of sickeningly obvious one and sort of cloyingly
1: topical but fairy tale of New York oh well I'm well no I'm, I'm glad that's your choice I certainly wouldn't make fun fun of that it's a it's a great is a great choice and uh, you know i would have had it as my own but i knew you would choose it that's very indicative
0: yes. <laughs> i am i am just your puppet and you are the puppet master <laughs> so shane mcgowan uh, who? <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of unbelievable uh, really that um, that we've lost shane mcgowan
1: and the obvious point being that um he could have gone at any point in the last 40 years, nearing Christmas, as he did in 2023. Uh, I think it adds a little a little more poignancy to, uh, to the song now that they're both dead.
0: Yeah, you have to you have to wonder two things. Firstly, A, will it now get back to be Christmas number one in the in the wake of his passing and B, will him and, and Kirsty be reunited in heaven to do a rousing rendition of it before the Lord himself? I'd like to think that it was one of the Lord's favourite Christmas tunes. Do you think the Lord was sort of wider than that, though? Was he a big Pogues man?
1: Well, considering I think this song came from the album If I Should Fall From Grace With God, <laughs> um, yeah. he was definitely a fan.
0: Do you think you think God has a rich sense of irony? Definitely, and like Absolutely. liked any kind of name-checking. <laughs> <laughs> For me, though, I mean, the Pogues, I never really explored all their stuff. I used to listen to Rum Sodomy and The Lash really quite a lot. Mm. Um and that's got uh, all of my favourite punk songs on it. Mine too, it. yeah. Um yeah. And there isn't
1: really much beyond that that I sort of go back to. Yeah, I was never really convinced of his um true punk credentials because I didn't I didn't know any of the, the music really because I guess it was so punk, uh it didn't make to mainstream. <laughs>
0: Um, <laughs> well, they were they were so musical that it really didn't have anything you associate with punk. Like it was, they they had control of rather more than three chords, and um, they were a,
1: a really good band. Well, yeah. Well, I, I guess I, I'm talking about his bands before the Pogues, you know? Of the oh, yeah, oh I'm cause sorry. Think, I'm, I'm, uh, um, no, because I think the Pogues sort of only turned up in sort of early 80s didn't they but um mm, yeah before that he was definitely on the scene and uh, there's there's a great documentary about him made last year and um some fantastic footage and he's so young in it but he's right there in the heart of the action but after all said and done he was a public school educated boy from Tunbridge Wells so I, I don't know doesn't always tally with me.
0: that that does that's part of the mythology that possibly gets played down that's I mean that's certainly news to me oh is it Uh, yeah Uh, you you imagine him growing up eating sort of potato peelings by the by the (laughs) Liffey yeah no
1: (laughs) no he was from Kent and um, went to prep school and then got a scholar I don't think he was from like money but he got a scholarship to Westminster school Um, but of course he got expelled for drugs so you know he's That's that's pretty punk, I suppose.
0: He was always true to... He always marched to the beat of his own drum. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes. And and a fife, (laughs) probably. This is what I hate. When, When a musician dies you know and everyone's like oh it's a really great shame rest in peace oh we've lost a great one yeah people lose sight of the fact that often these people haven't done anything for 20 or 30 years and certainly nothing of note so um, that's true and much has you know. been
1: made of uh, of his lyrical prowess as well however hmm. just on the evidence of this one song alone if if that's all he's remembered for that's pretty significant as far as i'm concerned because actually it, it is a, a wonderful song
0: Um, it is a fantastic song and and yeah the legacy of one great song is more than 99% of people can aspire to certainly
1: and you know I think it means a great deal to people and that's that's um that's really special despite some troubling shall we say lyrics
0: yes there there were there were those lines that that have been changed and um it, it doesn't offend me because I don't fall into any of the groups being being dumped on. There's arguments either way. You can go around re- revisiting everything and, and giving it a an offence wipe.
1: Yes, I'm not easily offended, but the Ronan Keating version that did actually change the lyrics, but was somehow some horribly sanitised version of the song, um, replete with his horrible tone and... In- singing yeah that that just made me feel a bit ill so i'd much rather the original yeah absolutely
0: every time um it's one of those things that should get an exemption from being you know politically sensitive Mm. because it's just really good like people
1: don't change the bible do they but it didn't get to number one though did it no no it got to number two well i think it's been number one since but back in 1987 on first release it shamefully was number two it brings me on to another point, actually, that um, because, forgive me for being chart-obsessed regarding these sort of things, however, it is a, a great interest of mine, but, you know, it, it was kept off the top spot back in 1987 by the Pet Shop Boys. Oh! We're both fans of the Pet Shop Boys. Love them. Particularly the 80s uh, Pet Shop Boys. Um, however, always on my mind, they're fantastic cover mm. of... Um, Always On My Mind Elvis and Willie Nelson of course uh, it was a great song but I remember being mightily cheesed off back in 1987 and 12 years old that it wasn't really a Christmas hit and the year before we had had Jackie Wilson repeat as well which mm. again really wasn't a, a, a Christmas no hit business,
0: no business I still, I basically I gave it to Frankie Goes to Hollywood for those two years so they, I think they were eighty five with Power of Love.
1: Yes, that's right. And yeah.
0: I and I just said, you know, they can have eighty six and eighty seven as well, because mm. as you, as we've said, those other two were not Christmas hits. Uh, shout out to Chocolate Salty Balls by Chef from South Park,
1: because oh. that
0: was um, that was a really good Christmas, and that was the song of
1: that Christmas. I would like to shout out to. Backdoor Santa by Clarence Carter. <laughs> We're on very, very thin ice now, but I'm going to let you go with it. Tell me about this <laughs> one. I, I don't know if I want to expand on that. Anyway, Step Into Christmas by Elton John. i will enjoy that.
0: I don't know that one.
1: Oh, that's a mid-70s classic. Oh, good. So, it's, yeah, before his mm. Disney phase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's, uh, it's, um, it's peak John. Peak John, vintage <laughs> Elton.
0: I like the one from Die Hard.
1: Um, all the weather outside is frightful. That's that one. the one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the. Is that the Christmas? Song? Is
0: that is that Dino's version on the film, or is that? I think s- it's Dino's. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've mentioned Last Christmas by Wham. Are you a fan of that?
1: I am. Yes.
0: I want to guess '84, but uh, you'll no doubt put me right.
1: Uh no, it, well yeah, absolutely. It was at, at 84 because it's yes. um it was re- released the same year as Band Aid, so it only got to number 2 and I believe it was the the highest selling single uh, never to get to number 1. But of I'm, course it has got to number 1 since actually, I believe. Yeah, but probably, I mean probably recent probably years when not. it when it when it doesn't when it doesn't really count.
0: How do they the do the days. charts
1: now? Oh, it's, it's potluck, I think. Sort of algorithms and
0: and streams multiplied by sales divided by the hypotenuse of the cosine of elton john Uh, do you have any sense of what's in the running to be the christmas number one this year
1: i would imagine lad baby because they've been number one for the last five years which which is extraordinary really
0: well, if if you can get to number one just by listening to your own song on Spotify for a month,
1: then the money the, the, their singles raise an awful lot of money for charity. So I don't want to be too unkind, but um, Christmas number one has been cheapened in recent years. Anyway, I mean it hasn't really been the same for God ten twenty years, really, has it? I mean, not really. Uh, the X Factor's dominance in the in the mid two thousands as well was pretty. Nasty,
0: yes, because you had that period where every Christmas number one was someone like Leona Lewis or whoever had just
1: won, yeah.
0: Um, so yeah, I suppose that's when kind of music stopped and it just became nakedly, sneeringly cynical and commercial.
1: Yes, I think that was the day that music died, yes, yes. Mm.
0: X Factor Day. The Mm. I'll tell you the Christmas song that I that I'm that I play every Mm. Christmas Eve. Is... Oh, you
1: see, I, what I would have thought, I, I could guess this. All right, you won't. Uh, because, you won't. You're so, because you're so transparent Okay, try, try me. I'll give you three goes. Okay, is it Chris de Berg's Spaceman Came Travelling? Fuck you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tell me. Um, it's Star of Wonder by Tori Amos. Oh, okay. Now, in 2009, she did an album called Mid- Midwinter Graces, which was her sort of... I weirder, know it. I like weird it. Ass. Yeah, it's just it's lovely, isn't it? It's it just is just really very, nice, yeah. rrr, very. Rrr. Rrr. That's that's it. I play that song,
1: then I'm done with Christmas. Uh, it's it's lovely. Um, we'll, we'll, I think we'll have to do a Christmas album special n- next year. Rather than talking about Christmas singles, we'll talk about the albums because sure. I like Fifty Words for Snow by Kate Bush. Oh Christ, Jay. yes. Yeah, Lowe's Christmas album is beautiful there's, there's all sorts of things we, mm. we, we won't touch on that now yeah um I, okay so obviously there are many many Christmas songs on offer um and I would like to name check quite a few more so i've I've written a little quiz for you oh God okay so other than Lad baby who as we've uh, mentioned before don't really count in all of this um can you name the only act? to have had four Christmas UK number ones.
0: Is it the aforementioned Michael Bublé?
1: It's not Bublé. I don't believe he's ha- ever had a, a UK number one. Now this happened uh, in the 60s.
0: Oh, right. Okay then. Was it um, Dave D. Dozy Beaky Mick and Titch?
1: <laughs> <laughs> if by that you mean the Beatles.
0: That was going to be my next Did <laughs> Were any of their Christmas number ones Christmas related?
1: No, 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 no. And again, in the in the 60s, not not, not many were. Um, I can't think of any, actually, that were actually Christmas related in the 60s. So they had uh, consecutive number ones in 63, 64, 65. I think it was Hello, Goodbye in 67 got to number one as well. But Tom Jones beat them in 66 with The Green, Green Grass of Home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the last mm. Christmas number one was Ralph Harris, Two Little Boys." Can you know put? Can you put? Can you put a
0: tumbleweed in there? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, anyway, so the, the, they had four Christmas okay. number ones. So, so question one: I've I've drawn a blank. Uh, and Spice Girls had three consecutive Christmas number ones as well. Uh, but Lad Baby have had five, and that that is that's. I'm not going That's, to say it's good going because it's, it's, it's meaningless. It is meaningless charts. now.
0: Yeah, yeah. It is OK. Uh,
1: now, can you think of the artist who, in various acts and in various guises, has had been on top of the Christmas charts eight times in his long and illustrious career? These two answers are essentially connected.
0: Right. So is it McCartney? It is McCartney. McCartney. So there was the wonderful Christmas time. There was the Mull of Kintyre. There were mm. those Beatles songs to which you previously alluded. And, and
1: he, was, uh, he, w- he was also involved in, in a couple of the Band-Aid uh, oh, incarnations as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Although uh, simply having a wonderful Christmas time, one word, uh, wasn't number one. Uh, but anyway, uh, he's, been, uh, he's found himself at the top of the charts on eight uh, different occasions. So he's
0: the original and best lad baby.
1: He's uh, Cliff Richard uh, 2.0 Good grief Okay, okay uh, So let's, let's move on with this quiz mm. um, What Please, Ian Martin is the sexiest Christmas song I'll preface this If you went and stayed for example in a lovely romantic Scottish Bothy uh, with a roaring log fire and you wore your cosy Christmas jumper, it, this is an alternative universe, universe right. where you are not married to okay. your lovely wife okay. um, but in fact you are in some sort of relationship with let's say Florence Welch okay. um, right. and you, you're both wearing Christmas picardies uh, there's a f- fur rug uh, in front of the fire you're there with, with your special Florence Welch mm-hmm. um, what's the festive soundtrack um, to your wooing of Florence Welch
0: i'd just sort of
1: roar, roar by yeah. katie perry
0: no i'd just i'd bellow i'd just be like
1: <laughs>
0: and she'd be won over good god me.
1: man that's not what i'm asking you
0: oh right okay musically <laughs> um yeah uh, what, what
1: are you going to you know uh, put on your uh, gaudete oh yeah gaudete that'd that's get her in, bad. that'd get her in the mood Oh yes, it would, wouldn't it? Especially a live version, yeah. Sort of, you know, sort of septuagenarians, absolutely, uh, still trying to hit those high notes. That would be wonderful. I wondered whether you'd say Santa Baby or something, uh, you know, Mm. sort of uh, overtly sexy. Um, No, it's 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 still
0: probably chocolate salty balls.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad it's not. It's cold outside because that's a. Song,
0: the Tom it? Jones Karis Matthews, oh, yes. That well, he he's, you know he's that basically me. some kind of date rapist. I'm not not Tom Jones. I'm saying the, no, character, let's, that he, let's, let's the make character that he the character that he sings. Clear. Yeah, the mm. character that Tom Jones portrays in the song is you know I've got 101 excuses why you should stay here and take your top off, um, which never works at Christmas. No. Nor
1: indeed should it.
0: Even with the heating on, no-one's taking anything
1: off till, you know, June. Um, No, I think Gaudete is the perfect answer. Excellent. Uh, And um, I shall, uh, whenever I see or hear Florence Welch again, I shall uh, imagine her being wooed by you uh, to the strains of Gaudete.
0: I'm... uh, I have a concern. I think she might be a vegan or a vegetarian. This Christmas... there's going to be no turkey. There's going to be no pigs in blankets. I'm wondering really what what's in it for me.
1: Oh, so now you choose to be picky about your Christmas traditions and your in your festive frivolities.
0: Well, you want your turkey.
1: Not particularly, but yes. Clearly. Well, I mean,
0: you know, I, one, the man in the street would want their turkey, and I'm mm. not sure Florence is the sort of girl who's going to cook a turkey. Either I'm I'm seeing her at Easter. Or I'm bringing in someone else at Christmas who would cook a turkey.
1: Like like who? Uh, Serena Williams. You think Serena Williams <laughs> is going to come and cook you a turkey in a Scottish boffy?
0: I, stranger things have happened.
1: Good. OK, mm. next question. Um, what is the earliest a Christmas song should be used? So, um, again, let me paint you a picture. You're walking around Waitrose or, yep. well, probably Walmart in your case, and Christmas wrapping by the waitresses comes on nineteen eighty one. What's the earliest acceptable date that that would not offend your your delicate little ears before you start <sighs> retching and and puking and hulking out in the aisle?
0: I've got to say, December the twenty second.
1: Oh Christ!
0: Yeah. Okay. I like it. I like it at, actually at Christmas time, not shoved down my throat three months out.
1: I mean, most most sane, normal people would say. December is Christmas month, where, where you can countenance the idea that there'll be Christmas tunes playing uh, wherever you go. Sure, but That's that's, sure. that's not enough for you, is it?
0: That's most people. I'm not most people.
1: OK, um, what is the most nauseatingly dispiriting Christmas song? Oh. You know, what makes you pine for the chocolate of Easter instead? Oh,
0: um, well, I, anything by Cliff Richard. Saviour's Day really? or Mistletoe and Wine, they make me gag.
1: And what's your favourite Christmas carol? Because, you know, we've said before, Christmas songs are a tradition that's centuries old. Um, most of ours that we're sort of still listening to a Victorian, Edwardian era. So do you have a favourite Christmas carol?
0: No, no, I, I dislike all of them do you do you, do I, you hate I,
1: it? So you, God rest ye Mary gentlemen I mean that's the only um, one I could think of Oh little town of Bethlehem uh, once in Royal David City uh, silent night even you're not you're not a you're not a fan
0: I'm not do you enjoy hearing that are you a midnight mass kind of guy are you creeping I'm in? I'm not a
1: midnight mass I don't think I've ever been to midnight mass um but I'm not adverse to some of those those songs sung by a Cambridge choir of some sort. Do,
0: uh, you, on occasion. do you think that with England's kind of gradual creep towards being a secular nation, that those hymns will one day kind of disappear?
1: Yes, um, and they <laughs> will be replaced by gorgeous choral um, renderings of Lad Baby's biggest hits.
0: So it's 20 Years Time, it's BBC One, it's Songs of Praise, the, I don't know the cloned son of Harry
1: Seacombe or whoever the hell presents it. Let's show Alad Jones. And it's, we built this city of sausage rolls. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, um, I do enjoy some of those carols and I, I particularly like, it's not actually a carol, but um in the bleak me winter, I think it's beautiful lyrics by Christina Rossetti and made particularly more beautiful by Chaz and Dave.
0: I'm suspecting this might be a trick, so I'm not going to add that to my list of things to listen to. Oh, no, do actually, we really. Do. Really? do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm writing down Chaz and Dave.
1: I did not think this would happen. In the bleak midwinter.
0: In the bleak midwinter I slapped her ass.
1: Good. Um okay. Uh and one one last question if you'll indulge me, although oh, I'd love to. You might need to sort of um refer to um some sort of list on your computer for this one Mm. but what do you think is the worst christmas number one is in the least christmassy christmas number one Uh, what who didn't even bother to get the sleigh bells out you know even as a cynical afterthought you know what disappointed you do. i mentioned earlier on pet that i was boys. sorely disappointed by pet shop boys yeah. you know i take that shit personally yeah
0: but i've got it's all right i've got a list oh my god conway twitty it's only make believe in 1958 i love that <laughs> just cuz it's just cuz it's impossible to sing cuz he starts off in a very high Register and then each line he goes up an octave and it's um, it's impossible. I
1: mean, let's go from from 1970 onwards. I mean, there's a there's a fair few, isn't there? I mean, yep. Jimmy Osmond, little Jimmy Osmond with Long haired Lover from Liverpool. Yeah, that that's got to Christmas number one. That's not I mean, a that's festive. Fucking track. gross, isn't that's it? That's
0: outrageous. Um, yeah. I Ernie, the fastest milkman in the west.
1: René and Renato oh God, Save Your Love, love 1982 yes.
0: Hateful um, The Flying Pickets Only You was that christmassy in any way
1: they certainly uh, when they appeared on uh, top of the pops performing it they, ma- they they made an effort it wasn't but ha- however it was um it was all a charity song really wasn't it for the for the for the miners strike uh and so it had a little bit of heart about it they were actors it wasn't really a band but it was a really good version of that Yazoo song i thought and so i didn't i don't object to that in the least don't you want me human league in 1881 yeah. 18- it's a great song it's a great it song not, it doesn't scream Christmas.
0: It doesn't. I think I've found I've found the answer I'm going to give. And it's from The Year of Our Lord 2000.
1: Uh, is that Bob the Builder?
0: It is Bob the Builder. Can we fix it? Performed, yeah. I'm assuming, by Neil Morrissey.
1: At least it is for children. There is that. As we know, children enjoy Christmas and Christmas is for children.
0: That is definitely true because I'm childless and uh, Christmas is definitely not for me well it's <laughs> it's going to be that or it's going to be 1993's Mr Blobby.
1: Okay I mean I think Pink Floyd in 1979 with Another Brick in the Wall part 2 uh, having got to number 1 it's a, it's a great song and it's a great album mm. but really they could have made a, more of an effort and, and, and made it more festive
0: or put put out a double A side that still included another brick in the wall, but had a Christmassy song on the back.
1: Um, in the bleak midwinter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. All that right. would
0: that you know in with 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 their prog sound that would have been quite good.
1: Okay. Well, I'm I'm calling out Pink Floyd, the Pet Shop Boys, and.
0: Reed Petit. Oh yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah. But well, no mind
1: boost. you, um, I don't think Jackie Wilson really knew much about that release. I mean, I think it <laughs> must have been uh, it must have been linked, perhaps to an advert. I want to say it was an advert used in an advert at the time. Yes, um, but yeah, that they really right. Whereas, of course, Shaken Stevens in 1985, he had got this song. He knew it was a surefire hit. He knew it was going to be a Christmas number one. But then he realised that Band Aid would beat his ass into number two or number three even. So he delayed. And released it the next year in 1985. Clever, really clever, Shaky. Not one to miss a trick. He was so savvy. Uh, sh- sh- savvy, Shaky Stevens was his original name.
0: Who? Let me ask you. A qu- I'm assuming that that's the end of the quiz, is it? Yeah, I'm going to say it's the end of the quiz. Right. Let me let me ask you a question. If you could give any living or dead artist the honour of having had a Christmas number one that they didn't have but they should have done.
1: So really, it should have been John Lennon in nineteen eighty, shouldn't it? We you know, again we hark back to this idea of um, poignancy through untimely death. Yes. But John Lennon really should have had a number one with a re release of um, Happy Xmas War is over, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, but St Winifred's school choir and there's no one quite like grandma. You think uh, that's got sort of less that off the number one. Yeah. Less gravitas. Yeah.
0: So I'm just I'm just looking through, and I'm just trying to see the f- the first kind of categorically shit Christmas number one, right? Because you've got you know sort of songs that happen to be number one on December the twenty fifth. Then in the seventies, you've got the advent of actually making Christmassy songs. Ugh, it's R- Rene and Renato again, isn't it? No, mm, no, it's, I... it's St Winifred School Choir. It's nineteen eighty. That's the, That is the year we were only five. But that's the year Christmas became bad.
1: No one quite like Grandma getting to number one over you know, what did what more did John Lennon have to do? He fucking shot dead in New York, outside the Dakota buildings, and then St Winifred's School Choir beats him to the Christmas number one.
0: It would be like in nineteen ninety one if the death of Freddie Mercury, you know, if instead of Bo rap getting back to number 1 and I'm trying to think of something that could have come out in 1991 that would have been that appalling.
1: The Fly by U2.
0: Well, Brian Adams everything I do I do for you could yeah. still
1: have been the Christmas number 1. Bohemian Rhapsody was re-released in 1991 and someone like St Winifred's School, school choir,
0: choir. Although by by that time, you know, 11 years after they left school, so by now they would have been St Winifred's School Dinner Ladies. They would have got back together, done a done a song
1: I'd love I'd love for us to make that happen though somehow somehow this podcast is going to manifest that should we
0: try and and get them back together and then be, subvert yeah. their
1: earnings in some way and also engineer the death of someone that engineer the death of Cliff Richard everyone thinks that Cliff Richard will then be nailed onto the yep. um on onto the uh, crucifix of Christmas number one.
0: And then we bring out our Redux version of there's no one quite quite like great-great great great grandma. Whip
1: the rug from under Cliff's holy feet.
0: Bony, fat shaming ass. <laughs> <laughs> like, did anyone ask Elvis if he wanted his photo taken with Cliff? He'd be like who the fuck's this
1: loser? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I think we've kind of pretty much peed all over Christmas now.
1: We, I think we have. I, I, I've, I've enjoyed this. Thank you for indulging me. this. Oh, um, my pleasure. Because I, mean, I know that you you want song poker to be um, a bit po-faced and serious and uh, academic. Absolutely, um, I do. Talking I'm all about, about m- rigour and, and learning yeah. and scholarly. Talking about music in a dispassionate way. Yep. Because I know you hate it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um thank you for indulging my um my inner child
0: no that's good i mean you know it is christmas and um this is as good a theme as any for christmas yeah maybe next year we just look at Lad babies number ones um so merry christmas merry christmas everyone thanks for listening um have a great christmas and we'll probably be back in a couple of weeks Song Poker was produced by Electric Sodcast Studios.